Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Light of Life podcast. I'm your host, Naomi, and today I am here with Liana. Liana, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey guys, I'm Liana Kersner. I'm known as Liana K on YouTube. Yes, the infamous Liana K. Uh, I am a radio host, video game developer, uh, YouTuber, pop culture analyst. So I wear, I wear a lot of hats. I was on Canadian television as well. U.S. television as well in a show called Ed and Red's Night Party on G4 in the U.S., uh, City TV in Canada, um, a bunch of stations syndicated around the world. But then um, I started becoming a video game journalist and moved into what I'm doing right now. Uh, I, I've done professional pinup modeling, uh, a bunch of other stuff, and that seems really long to begin with. So I'll stop there. I, I did a... I used to do feminist game analysis in in video games. Now I moved on because of the demand to mental health. And so my current pro- project is a radio show slash podcast called It's Not Therapy. Um, so yeah, and this is despite uh, two major uh, childhood, well, childhood and adolescent major health episodes and asthma, an autoimmune disease and currently long COVID. So <laughs> I have a long, I have a long resume in multiple ways. All right, Liana. So, um, which, um, which experience would you like to, um, share with people? Well, I mean, they all kind of connect together, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Cause they're, they're pretty sure when I was 12, I had a major allergic reaction, like full body raised hives to the chicken pox virus and the suspicion is that that is the ultimate potential reason for the adult autoimmune disease i have a a disease called mixed connective tissue disease so it's kind of like lupus kind of like rheumatoid arthritis a bunch of other things it's it's spin the wheel of symptoms um you know day to day week to week so uh that's the main thing and of course they had no idea how people like me got affected by the COVID-19 vaccine um they had no idea how COVID would affect and so uh, I got whacked and so I'm dealing with that but it's all sort of the holistic thing you know they also find that an appendix does something in the system uh so there's probably no way to untangle one thing from the other. And I think that's the reality of any major chronic health condition is that you have the main thing that's causing everything, but that's not what you live with day to day, right? You're managing symptoms day to day and you're maintaining quality of life. And so like, okay, you've got a heart condition, but it affects your ability to breathe. Right. For instance, it's it's the same thing. You know, Okay, it's an autoimmune disease. My my immune system is attacking my body, but it manifests in, you know, periodic blurred vision and my hands getting really stiff. So it's the you know, the the intellectual understanding what's going on. But then it's the okay. there's all this weird and wonderful stuff going on. What do I do about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, how does your chronic you kind of touched on it just now um but how does your chronic illnesses affect your life i mean the big i mean the two biggest things are probably if i if you know if i could pull two things out and fix those and deal with it i could deal with the pain it's the sleep disruptions 
that are the absolute worst. That and the digestive issues that come from it. So when you've got an inflammatory condition, everything every so often goes, let's puff up, right? And, and those are the two things that are probably the hardest because sleep is fundamental. And when you don't sleep, everything hurts more. Everything's harder. You're cranky. I'm wearing an incredible Hulk t-shirt because that's my <laughs> current mood. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, superheroes are a, a big, big structure for mm -hmm. me. Because, of course, if, if you look at a lot of superheroes, you know, Peter Parker gets bit by a radioactive spider <laughs> he, as a teenager. It's kind of a metaphor for a life-changing health event, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, both the Incredible Hulk and, and Moon Knight in the comics canonically have dissociative identity disorder, stuff like that. And so to me, it's like, okay, you know, Professor Xavier uses a wheelchair. So I'm like, all right, these are sort of characters that can't do what quote unquote normal people can do, but they can do other cool stuff. And other people with disabilities cannot stand that perspective, but it works for me. Like I know that some people's like, my disability is not a superpower. Okay, cool. They can say that. I choose to say that mine is. <laughs> you know that that's really inspirational and um i've always um i've always thought of my disability as well, i've always tried to look at it as more of a positive than a negative as well so thank you for sharing that <laughs> yeah it, it definitely cultivates a lot of wisdom doesn't mm -hmm. it i mean you you have to grow up fast yeah and you have to deal with challenges and one of the things i struggle with is empathy for people that haven't had similar stuff which is something I'd love to see in comics, not, you know, oh, the poor character, nobody knows his secret identity, so the girl doesn't like him and stuff like that. I'd like to see the lack of empathy, the lack of understanding go both ways. And the Disney Plus She-Hulk show did that to me. I was on the floor the first episode when it was like Bruce Banner and Jen, and they were totally talking past each other because he's trying to teach her how to be a Hulk. Right. And she's like, no, no, this is all stupid. I'm not doing this. Right. And he was Mr. Zen master, but he wasn't, he wasn't meeting her where she was. And this is a totally different interpretation than the average person has in the show because they haven't been where he is, right? They haven't been on the other side and forgotten what it's like to be at the beginning of the journey. And I, I struggle and I try to be very patient with people who I do, I do peer counseling and there are some people who are very early in their disability and they don't want to accept it. They're angry. They're like, I don't want to accept my disability. It's never going to be a good thing. This is something that ruined my life. Right. You know, they have the right to feel that way. Yeah. And there's no forcing, there's no rushing that process. They have to allow it to be as angry and as upset and as disappointed and as frustrated as they want for as long as they want so that they can do it in their own way. Cause I ended up doing it in my own way and my own way does not work for other people, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, and, and that's what I've discovered working with other uh, uh, disability advocates and disability specialists is it's very idiosyncratic. Everybody has their own relationship with their chronic health condition or with their disability. Um, a guy I still turn to for uh, best practices advice asked me once, have you named your pain yet? 
And I was like, yeah, I kind of have. You know, uh, I usually end up naming it after video game or pop culture references. You know, when the the when the IBSD is acting up, I say it's the Oregon Trail problem because the whole you have died of dysentery thing, which is really gross, which is why I call it the Oregon Trail problem. You know, and, you know, when my hands start acting up, you'll notice a Toy Story lately in my background. But I'm like, <laughs> you know, the, the, the hands are acting up like the claw is my master. I have been chosen. Whoa. You know, that kind of thing just to put it in its place in my brain, you know, because otherwise you spend so much time and I'm sure you can relate to this freaking out about your body rebelling. It, it makes you worse. It makes you sicker because mm -hmm. stress is a killer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, there's an amount of stress you just can't avoid. So as far as I'm concerned, anything someone can do to take that pressure off themselves, to take the stress down, to give themselves a laugh, do it. I don't care what other people think. Yeah, um, that's been really helpful for me as well uh, to take stress, to take stress off. Um, I've always yeah. just tried to really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very big optimist. I've always tried to uh, look at the optimism part of life, and um, I've I've always um, tried to like think of, think of like my situations, um, um, like 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 I feel very fortunate to 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 even like still be alive today, and 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 the fact that I'm like able to. Uh, now uh like i said like do all the things i can do uh and and not be in the hospital as much especially that part um has has uh has really um made me feel a lot more liberated with uh with my heart condition i feel a lot um more like i feel a lot more acceptance and understanding to it <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was a five-year period where they didn't know what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. It was actually a twist of fate that I ended up moving into a, a different hospital area. At, you know, had to change primary care physicians and got referred to a rheumatologist that finally figured out what was going on. But it was five years of just, oh, you have to exercise more. You have to do stretches. You have to eat better. You have to, you know, all, all the kind of gaslighting they do i mean i was a competitive dancer before my appendix blew up so i know how to exercise i know how to eat right well i know how to eat clean uh it's not necessarily eating right but uh you know that that part of it is crazy making not knowing right mm -hmm. not knowing what's wrong so not knowing what to do about it and the funny thing is when I finally got a diagnosis, it was during the early days of of COVID and the prescribed medication for my condition is hydroxychloroquine. Uh -huh. And of course that was one of the, oh no, take this, it'll cure COVID. And so I started laughing when I got the prescription and the doctor actually kind of terrified. You know, the rheumatologist was, no, it's okay, it's safe. Don't listen to what you hear on the news. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is just so me. Like, even my medical history is political satire. This is great. 
but you know it that was really interesting as well because there's this weird you know the side eye Mm -hmm. you get when you're on any sort of controversial or or off-label treatment and so it's like when people hear when you have to have to say you know what medications are you on for something well hydroxychloroquine you see people go I ended up using the other name for the drug, which is Placanil, because people don't mm-hmm. know it as much. And it's like everybody now, you know the people who take Placanil because they say Placanil, because they're tired of the hairy eyeball from people who think, oh, you're just a COVID denier. Like, no, no, I'm actually taking the drug for a lupus-like condition. It's what it's for, right? And that that was a really weird part of it, but. I think medical stigma affects everybody with a chronic condition because it's one thing to give people the official name of your condition. It's another thing entirely for people to understand what it means. Mm If that makes any sense. Yes, it does. (laughs) You know, um, my my stepsister has MS and lupus. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she she wore these wrist braces because she got sort of aches, like carpal tunnel type. The way the wind lupus-like conditions mess with your hands is just, it's hard to describe that particular ache. Um, But she said that people were better with her. She ended up wearing the braces on days even when she felt okay, because people could then see the disability. It was no longer invisible. Some people don't like that extra attention. Uh, it's weird because I, I have this stuff, I guess, that I live with every day. Um, and that doesn't bother me. But when I needed knee surgery and had to go into uh, a restaurant on crutches, I felt like everybody in the place was staring at me because they kind of were. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's when you get into the disability humor of, yeah, folks, it's a ride and a show. You know, stuff like that. And... I don't know if you've had the conversations about whether or not you want people to ask you about it, but there's this interesting, I don't know if you had this, but this people pleasing thing that kicked in for a while that you want to make the people around you comfortable with the difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get sort of tired of doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think, have you heard the, uh, the thing about spoons? The number of spoons you have in a day yes. that that chronic yes. that chronic illness yeah. thing like mm-hmm. that's such a beautiful metaphor because some days yeah i have the spoons to explain it other days i just snarl and go i'm just in a bad mood or so i don't want to get into it mm-hmm. with people and there's some people you think can handle it other people you can't um you know a few years back i decided to live open and talk about it, recognizing that opportunities would close for me because woman, autoimmune condition, people think you're crazy. And I mean, I also spent a year in trauma therapy. So there's that as well. And, you know, PTSD isn't a mental illness, it's a mental injury, but it's the, you know, it's the, it's the victim condition. It's the, oh, you're either a soldier, you're a liar kind of thing and I mean that's really harsh but that's what people think Mm -hmm. and so I had to choose do I try to hide my conditions and just tough it out 
or am I honest with it and maybe, maybe kick down some doors right now based on my superhero obsession, I think it's pretty clear what path I was going to choose, but I totally understand if, if other people can't make that choice, can't afford to, don't have the energy to do it. And that's one of my big frustrations because taking a person with a disability, you know, scars make, scars mean you're a survivor and you get that wisdom, you get that different perspective, you get that a, a person who has survived something is going to live every day fuller and harder because we know what the alternative is. Yeah. And, you know, even though we may be slower some days, you're going to get as much, if not more, out of us, our pacing's just going to be different. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one of the things I do is I work with, with personal clients, peer-to-peer clients to, you know, improve those employment situations, help with socialization, um, you know, through, through the It's Not Therapy program and, and really try to show that there's no one size fits all for anything. You know what I'm saying? And in these workplaces where you have to do set hours and everybody has to be in the office. And I mean, it's amazing how many smaller workplaces still aren't wheelchair accessible, for for instance, despite the ADA, despite, you know, the Canadian equivalent. And that's frustrating because they keep getting they keep getting deferrals, you know, or, or they they're compliant they're compliant air quotes, but they're really not, you know, that one inch, sometimes even two centimeter gap on the ramp between the ramp and can stop uh, one of the less powerful scooters. And people don't think that's a big deal. One stair is not a big deal until you can't go up one stair. And uh, that, I mean, that's a conversation we need to keep having because people are still I mean, some people are just cruel, but I think there's just a lot of people who also don't get it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think you're absolutely right about that. And um, what you mentioned earlier, I'm really glad you mentioned PTSD is an injury, not not a mental illness. It is a brain. It's like a physical injury to the brain. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it really is. And I'm so yeah. glad you mentioned that because um, I think a lot of people uh, have always, well, mental health is always very stigmatized. And then, yeah. and then when you think of PTSD, you think it's a mental illness, but it's from, it, 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 it's an injury from, from a very traumatizing experience. And I'm really yeah, glad you it's mentioned that. acute trauma or it's repetitive stress, yeah. essentially. It's a repetitive, that's CPSD. It's repetitive stress in your brain. Mm-hmm. And that matters because people with PTSD are not delusional. They yeah. have, yeah. you know, because in, in psychology, it's always confront the delusion. Well, it's not a delusion. It's something that actually happened. Yes. Yes. And and that's why language is so important, because unlike, you know, a more traditional, uh, true mental illness and, and people with actual mental illness deserve dignity and acceptance and, and to be taken seriously as well. Yes. You don't gaslight anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. But it is different. And one of the things I really don't like is the term triggered 
as a vernacular kind of, oh, I'm triggered, my anxiety is triggered. Uh, you know, a lot of words, bad words come out of my mouth when people start doing that because that's not cute, that's not funny. You have no idea what it's actually like. Um, mm -hmm. Having your fight or flight response triggered at an inappropriate time really sucks. Uh, one of the funniest stories I have is I, I go fight a lot more. I, I used to freeze. I mean, one of the things people don't realize is not fight or flight, it's freeze, fight or flight. And the vast majority of people freeze. That's why there's that zone out with PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. um, some people need to get out of there. They just got up and leave the room. I fight. And one of the things that I do not do well with at all is jump scares in video games yeah. and scary movies. And a buddy of mine, we went to this VR um, VR thing where they put the backpack on and the goggles and you walk around. It was a steampunk horror mm. thing. And in the infinite wisdom of this event, they decided to end the, the little 20 minute thing on, there's this demon that's grabbing you in a cable car and everything like that. And I'm like, Ugh. but at the end, the demon comes right for you, just as one of the employees pulls the VR headset off. It's like this big time thing. Hey, how you do it right at the scary point? Well, I tried to punch the VR demon I missed the employee's face by about an inch. <laughs> they probably change that after me, but like they don't see that coming from a woman. And, and so it's this thing of don't, there needs to be more understanding of, because I, I do believe that everybody has a certain amount of trauma and you don't compare traumas. And there's a, there's a lot of layered and complicated things as to who ends up with PTSD and who doesn't. Um, but what it comes down to is you know what it's like to feel like you're gonna die. Exactly, that's, and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know what it's like to feel like you're gonna die and that changes you. And mm -hmm. of course the brain is like, I don't wanna die. So I don't wanna do the die thing, you know? So there, there are certain things, and, and because the brain is trying to keep you safe, it makes connections to environments, sounds, smells mm -hmm. are a huge one, yeah. right? Um, you know, a lot of people have trouble with that kind of echoey white noise sound that you get in hospitals. Yeah. You know, one of those. Um, the Yeah, there's still certain things where it's like... Uh, um, and, and there's difference between a bad memory and a trauma trigger as well. Yeah. And most people have both, right? I, I'm sure you, you have moments where it's like, yeah, I remember that. That was not fun. But that's not a trauma trigger, right? right. Um, a feeling like, you know, you can't breathe and that bringing it back. And that's a trauma trigger, yeah. right? And it can, I, I did a four part series as a video game journalist on PTSD and um, prolonged exposure therapy using video game technology. So virtual reality to try to help people with combat trauma. And I mean, exposure therapy works, EMDR therapy works, but 
it also is just processing and moving past the core trauma. Mm -hmm. And that takes work and it's hard. And I think the biggest thing people don't understand is, how do I put this? People don't want to talk about their trauma all the time. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to be something else. And when very compassionate people root everything back to your chronic health condition or everything back to your mental health condition or your mental injury, it's annoying, right? Because that's not all we are. And most people who have, who have gone through the process are the best experts on themselves. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was fortunate because I was doing a lot of disability awareness stuff before this stuff hit me. So I knew things like ask, don't assume somebody wants help, you know, don't do it for them. Let them do it until they don't want to do it anymore. Uh, so on and so forth. But there's a lot of misunderstandings. The one, have you got this? the talking to someone in a wheelchair or scooter like they're deaf yes people talk very loudly and slowly yes using yes. wheelchairs what is wrong i it's just it's so yes i i have gotten that before it's very frustrating yeah nurses do it it's like what the mm -hmm. person needs a mobility yeah. assistance device. They can hear fine. <laughs> I know. It's... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people get really offended when I laugh at them. <laughs> they deserve to be laughed at. It's absurd. Right? And I, 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 I do like... You may notice I'm a bit of a jerk. Um, but I do like... Because I've, I've done... Uh, comedy as well. I did improv comedy, I did stand-up comedy, and so I sort of treat people like that, like a heckler. And so, especially when nurses in hospitals do it to me, they're like, are you okay? I am fine. <laughs> it stops pretty quickly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and, but, but that is something I think that if, this is why I, I love what you're doing, because if people have these conversations, people can hear that this is a thing not to do before they do it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is so weird when people told me that. I'm like, that makes no sense. And then I became hyper aware that mm -hmm. so many people do it. Yeah. And I have no idea why. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> Like, why Why are you suddenly somebody's kindly grandma just because then you're in a mobility assistance device? It's bizarre, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that, them's, the, them's the funds of these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else you would like to share with people? <laughs> oh, God. Um, I think that we make mental health and physical health and mental injury and physical injury into completely different categories. But really, it is rare to find somebody with 
a physical disability that doesn't have additional i mean it's it's cognitive overload it's it's the spoons mm -hmm. it's pain threshold i mean pain threshold is something people do not understand yeah. um that's you you don't know it until you experience it that you know you you can't breathe and then all of a sudden you're not aware you can't breathe anymore you're not winded anymore you're just kind of in the clouds it's sort of this weird dissociative euphoria yeah. and yeah and or you hurt you hurt you hurt and then all of a sudden you don't hurt anymore you just feel sick to your stomach it's like those sensors shift because your body can't take it anymore and it is the weirdest thing until you experience it for mm -hmm. yourself and then all of a sudden and i i enjoy shows like you know moon Knight on disney plus is great for that the states because i i do think people with these challenges we do have different personas you know, you have that everything's wonderful and, and I'm an angel child for when you're in the hospital and, uh, you know, trying not to think about being poked and prodded, mm -hmm. right? And, and then you sort of have the scrappy fighter for when you want to do anything but. And we all have these different, we end up getting fragmented almost because we have to be because we're not only trying to get ourselves as good as we can, right? We're never, we're never going to have that normal threshold, but we want better. We want to strive for better. Mm -hmm. Every little improvement is a miracle, right? And we're doing that, but we're also carrying everyone around us because if they break down, that's another thing to deal with. And that sounds really awful, but it's true right nobody wants to see their mom cry because they're in the hospital yeah i remember that acutely from mm -hmm. my situations you yeah. know the memory of my sister nagging me to get out of bed because she was terrified that i was going to get post-operative pneumonia mm -hmm. you know those yeah. I, I i was so mad at her at the time but I, I realized it was i felt awful but it was also oh my god this is my younger sister right i'm supposed to protect her and now look at this and you know the 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 being brought low with the the physical therapy with the recovery with the getting used to your body looking different i you have to get used to the scars your your body looks yeah. different yep you know uh your body also changes after surgery in ways they don't prepare you for it's not just the scar the body the fat layers relocate mm -hmm. to protect the injury oh because so you've had that too yes right? yeah 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 when yeah. i when i did modeling i wouldn't let them airbrush out my appendectomy scar mm -hmm. and they, i actually got dropped uh i got a page count cut out and i lost the cover of a men's magazine because they wouldn't i wouldn't let them airbrush i wouldn't let them photoshop but i said you don't take that from me i earned those scars so I do all like these warrior women pinup photo shoots like Red Sonia and Shanna the She-Devil because they'd have scars, mm -hmm. right? Um, I did uh, a, a topless art book. This is going somewhere um, where I said, I want to show how lighting, hair, makeup, everything like that changes 
the way a woman looks in the media. So it was two shots, one all glammed up, the other normal, right? Mm -hmm. The way normal people go about their lives. And she put it in a book side by side. Of course, it was the same scar. And so people were like, are they sisters? Like, are they, what's the deal with this image? And she go look at the scar. <gasps> it's the same person. So, you know, that, um, one of the things is a, a fantasy series called The Witcher that I loved when I read the books because the women in the books were proud of their scars, the warrior women. And in the games and in the TV show, they take them out and it's all the pain. They show the process, they show the procedure, they show the suffering, but they don't show the women wearing their scars with pride. They take them out, they perfect them. And it made me so mad because I'm like, no, those are story. It's, you know, those are reminders of things you survive. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see, and the, the woman king is good with sort of the rite of passage scarification in that way. Uh, but I would like to see more of that in media. And that was a really long answer. Do you have anything else to say? So I'll cut myself off right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Thank you for sharing all that information. Uh, it sounds like this is going to really help people understand better. <laughs> Thank I, you so I much. So. I mean, my, my big thing is uh, I say don't let problems that aren't your fault lead to mistakes that are. And you're, you know, you're the hero of your own story. And I, language is so important and self-talk is so important. So I don't care how ridiculous someone's narrative is. Um, I would rather somebody feel like a superhero or a superhero sidekick than feel like a burden to the people around them. And so any metaphor, any mantra, anything that makes you feel more energized is good that's that's my takeaway from the whole thing mm -hmm. e even if other people find it obnoxious which people with me frequently do <laughs> but it's part of my charm mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on to my podcast liana uh i learned oh, well, a lot thanks for having me. this was fun <laughs> yeah thank you all right <laughs> bye so actually i meant